Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we are set to continue our exploration into what we have tagged special topics, typically responding to your questions. Now, what we are going to do this evening is offer you a part two to what we did in our last time together uh, on a Thursday evening. And that means I have Andrew Palmquist in studio with me once again. So, Andrew, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you. It's great to be here again. We came together in our last time together to talk about exile and suffering because this is something that a lot of people are talking about right now, just in more general terms, right? So I thought what we could do is have the conversation on air. Now, at the end of our time together <laughs> last week, we kind of looked at each other and said, well, there's a whole lot more that we wanted to talk about. So here we are, part two, to a reflection on how maybe when we feel most distant from God is actually when we are closest to God. You know, Andrew, if the Christian faith is anything, as G.K. Chesterton would remind us, it is paradoxical, Mm. right? What do we mean by the word paradox? It comes from a Greek term that simply means contrary to expectation. There is very little about the Christian revelation that one would have expected, right? Namely, the cross. (laughs) The cross. So um, this was really what was at the heart of our discussion last week. And now for this evening, what I want to go back into is this discussion about feeling distant from God, yet upon further review, maybe that's not the case, huh? I think it's those times when God wants to work in and through us and sometimes take those things that are meant for evil and and turn them for good. And it's a time I think a lot of people, you know, not, not just myself, but people in this community are going through that feeling of exile. They're not not in their homes. Their homes don't exist. Their friends, some of their friends have passed away in the fire. And there's just a lot of transition and turmoil and a lot of, it's it's hard to see the good in in all the exile and in all the the trauma that's happening. And I, I think it's important for myself and for the listeners to remember that God works all these things for good, and he's, he wishes to, to teach us something through, and then also to give us a, a witness and a testimony through all these turmoils that we have to walk through. Mm-hmm. And part, part of that, walking it out, you know, and like as we mentioned last time, taking up our cross, it, but it, it actually involves taking action. Yeah, yeah. And, and That's hard. <laughs> you can't blame people when they feel like it's too much to bear, and they, sure, they can feel sure. all, all the pressure, all the stress, all the uncertainty, um, and they, it's, it's almost you, you have to just put one foot in front of the next, and you don't know even sometimes where your next meal is coming from. Yeah. For our listening audience, Andrew, we are recording out of Chico, California, which is just 20 minutes from Paradise, uh, the campfire, by some estimates and numbers, the worst fire in the history of this country, mm-hmm. right? So just by way of, of context, 
You raise, I think, something very important there, Andrew, with respect to you know, what God has allowed. I think we have to be present to something here when we talk about you know, God's holy and perfect will that a lot of people want to talk about, and then also God's permissive will. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that once sin entered the world, there was going to, to have to be something to, to reconcile us with God. And of course, God sent his only son, and we have been redeemed. And as uh, Philippians 2.12 reminds us, we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And we do so by making a right decisions. You talked about action. A question that often comes up within this larger conversation, Andrew, is if God is so good, why is there evil in the world? And my response to that is, it is because God is so good, God is so loving that there's evil in the world. And by that I mean, in order for you to have love, you must have freedom. You can never force love, right? Love never comes from without, but from within. As much as I want my children to do certain things for me, well, (laughs) I can't force them to do it. If, as their father, I desire them to love me, they must choose to love, right? And because love demands freedom, well, (laughs) therein lies the predicament. Ultimately, We have been given the gift of free will to choose right from wrong, good from evil. And man chooses evil. And because man continues to choose evil, there's evil in the world. And so what God has done is he has stepped into all of that dysfunction, into all of that muck and mire, and ultimately used it for our salvation. And of course, what am I talking about here? But again, Andrew, the cross. He took the most horrific thing in human history, and what do we say? Oh, happy fault, right? The cross, Good Friday, oh, happy fault. He uses it for our salvation. And so what he says to us, in your worst moment, in your worst torment, in your worst sorrow, I am with you. (laughs) Every time I encounter someone who is suffering, in deep anguish, they choose to use the word excruciating. And I find it fascinating that the word excruciating comes from the Latin excruces, which literally translates from the cross. Christ has taken all that is excruciating upon himself, and now he desires to enter into ours, to our excruciating torment. Uh, What is that passage? We were talking about it before. I think it's Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Mm. Doesn't that get to the heart of it? To read the Psalms um, in our anguish, I think, is to find hope. Hope. And and Jesus came not, not just to do what he did and die on the cross, but also while doing that to be our example. And I, I know myself being an, a new believer, I, I think, uh, I know I made the assumption that the cross was a once one time thing Hmm. and that now you look at it from, from the future looking back and you assume that the price has already been paid. So now, you know, and Jesus does say, um, death, uh, death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm, Remind mm-hmm. me of that yeah, verse again. Yeah. Oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so you, we feel like it's permanent that 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 the price has been paid, 
that the pain has been suffered and there's only thing left for us is to enjoy salvation. But Christ actually came to, to be an example for us of how we might walk through our own pain and how we might over, overcome until the end. Yeah, I mean, what does St. Paul say? Uh, if you were to go to Colossians one twenty four, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Now, I know many want to excuse this verse and say, well, that's just a bad translation because certainly there's nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions. I mean, what have we been talking about? This most excruciating, horrible death. I mean, the single most brutal way to die was Roman crucifixion. So what is Paul saying there? Well, let's think about this. You just said it. Yeah, it's not just a one-time debt, but a mystery we are called to share in. The answer is that what is lacking is our part in it. Mm-hmm. Why does St. Paul talk about suffering time and time and time again? Rejoice, he says. I think uh, it's in Peter's first epistle, chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, Rejoice in your sufferings insofar as you suffer with Christ. What is this mystery talking about? Well, Christ desires to enter into the mystery of our suffering into the mystery of our abandonment. What did he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There wasn't an evacuation of his divinity in that moment. No, rather, he was fully human entering into the mystery of his humanity. And I think beautifully we have this verse to be encouraged that God who was fully human desires to enter into our humanity and show us, Andrew, what it means to live for the divine, right? What is that passage, Second Peter 1, 4? We are called to be participators in God's divinity and that we can even find a joy in this, Peter says. Find that joy, Paul says. Find that joy. How can you be joyful in the suffering? Well, when we conform our intense sorrow when we conform our broken hearts and our crushed spirits, as Psalm 34 reminds us, mm. we find hope, and this is our joy. That's another one of those mysteries that we get to participate in, that in our, in our flesh and in our minds we can't understand. But it, it makes me look at Second Corinthians four sixteen and 18. It says, Though out, outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly mm. we are being renewed day by mm. day. Mm. For our, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Mm. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Amen. And it's, there's several key, key phrases in there, but just that, that our, our suffering is light and it's momentary. Mm. <laughs> just to re- remind us that in the end, the, uh, the true scorecard will be what we receive in, in salvation and in, in eternal life. Yeah. And so even if, if it were possible to fail in every potential way here on earth, we still ultimately conquer in heaven. Yeah. I like that word, scorecard. You talk about scorecard. You talk about numbers. 
you talk about wins and losses, and in the end, what is it that we're really talking about? But the spiritual physics of God, and by that I mean the mathematics of God, where there's loss, there's gain, where there's um, a negative, there's a positive, where there's death, there's life. Uh, This is the mathematics of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is God's scorecard. If you want to score points, uh, lose something. Because, and I remind my listening audience this a lot, and where I go and give talks a lot, when we are down to nothing, God is always up to something. Because in the end, it means we have been detached from the material world and ultimately brought closer to God. It's very freeing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can, can be. And there's a close priest friend of mine who's passed away, God rest his soul, who, who would like to say, I've never seen a, a U-Haul truck follow a hearse. Mm. <laughs> what are you taking with you to your final conversation with Jesus? Hmm? Mm. And I might even take that one step further. Will you recognize Jesus in that final conversation? Because if you have conformed your suffering to his, if you have entered into this great mystery that we are talking about, Andrew, you will recognize our Lord's voice. But if you choose to keep it at arm's distance all your life, I wonder, will you recognize his voice? Andrew, one of the things I wanted to talk about this evening is the distinction between despair and anguish. Often I have people coming to me talking about how they want to take their life. They want to talk about suicide. And they would even go so far as to try to rationalize that God is desiring it. We have to clarify what we intend to mean when we talk about despair and anguish. By despair, man ceases to hope for his personal salvation from, uh, from God, for help in attaining it, or for that matter, for the forgiveness of his sins. Despair is contrary to God's goodness, to his justice. We know, uh, Andrew, that the Lord is faithful to his promise, and he is in his mercy. Anguish is the intense sorrow or suffering. Uh, the word actually means uh, to be constricted so tightly that you feel you cannot move. Mm. This is anguish. I mean, have we all been there? That anguish which gets so intense that sometimes you wish God would just decide to take you home to heaven right now. This, I think, is what is going on in sacred scripture. If you were to go to Job chapter 6, verses 8 to 9, what do we read? Oh, that I might have my request and that God would grant what I long for. Even that God would decide to crush me, that he would put forth his hand and cut me off. Mm. Is he in despair or is he in anguish? How about Jonah? So now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Despair or anguish? Well, I would argue they're in despair, Andrew, because they're crying out to God. Despair is the absence of hope. (laughs) In their anguish, in their torment, they're crying out to God. And this is something I want to draw out because if we can make that distinction in our own lives and bring what we're talking about now into what we were talking about 10, 15 minutes ago, we might find hope out from the anguish that, yeah, 
when we think we are most distant from God in this intense sorrow, and here I'm not talking about a physical pain necessarily, but something even more intense than that, the interior pain of losing a loved one, maybe to something unexplained. You were talking about the campfire earlier. Gosh. I mean, what was the final number, Andrew? We say, I think, 85 or 86, uh, 86 but uh, many more, some would suggest, who didn't have any loved ones to identify them. How do you explain that? That is the most difficult thing. But to enter into the mystery of Christ's suffering in faith, crying out to God, mindful that it's okay to cry out to God. It's even okay, Andrew, to point your finger at God. Because if prayer is conversation with God, hey, you're talking with him, right? (laughs) Now, we cannot forget the gift of the fear of God, right? The gift of that all-like reverence before God that St. Paul talks about. But God understands. Mm -hmm. God desires that you cry out to him because he himself cried out to God the Father on the cross. Yes, he did. And I think there's even, uh, we see with Abraham, a little bit of bargaining that goes on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how successful that can be, but I think we, we do all have that, that gut reaction is to offer God something that's a bargain, mm-hmm. to just stave off the wolves another week. Yeah, yeah. You know, we want to give God a blank check. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> right. Most often, God's answer is we have to walk through it. Yeah, yeah. There's not, there's not a shortcut. Yeah. St. John Paul II, in what I would argue... Uh, his most important thing he wrote, his apostolic letter on human suffering, said this. I wanted to read these words, Andrew. Human suffering has reached its culmination in the passion of Christ. And at the same time, it has entered into a completely new dimension and a new order. It has been linked to love, to that love which creates good drawing it out by means of suffering. Just as the supreme good of the redemption of the world was drawn from the cross of Christ, and from that cross constantly takes its beginning, the cross of Christ has become a source from which flows uh, rivers of living water. So what is St. John Paul II saying there? Ultimately, as we receive these crosses that come to us, that, yes, at times we wish to keep at bay. Mm. Ultimately, from that cross streams new living water. And, uh, oh, by the way, quite literally, right? Did not water gush forth from his side? Did not blood gush forth from his side? Blood and water, these two great symbols of life. Huh? So when we receive the crosses that come our way, as difficult as they might be, as excruciating as they might be, no that Jesus is near, and that we are called to uh, have a part in the mystery of the cross. And you're, the trouble that, that we go through, which then would lead to the anguish, and I think, think what you were saying is that the despair would come after the anguish. Mm-hmm. And I think some, sometimes Satan will manipulate that despair and try to get us to lose faith. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, there's a way to walk through the anguish but to not mourn as someone that has no hope, to, to realize that our hope is in the cross and that there's an exchange 
that takes place where we we give up our flesh, we give up our our brokenness, and we accept in exchange Christ's perfectness. Mm. And we that that is the taking up your cross daily that we need to do is to give up our brokenness and our hurt and our pain while we walk through it, but we look to Christ knowing that we are we're one, we're fulfilled, we have peace and hope. Yeah, well said, Andrew. And and I think for our listening audience, something we have to be present to is in this emotional suffering, um, maybe we are not dealing with something or addressing something that maybe we should. Maybe the pain and or suffering, Andrew, we have experienced in the past has been suppressed, and God is calling us to address that. Maybe we are holding a grudge. Maybe we think we have forgiven someone, but really all we've done is just become indifferent to them. Mm. Uh, In the end, we have to address all wounds. I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but I think there's a beautiful reflection behind the word vulnerable, the vulneratio. Right? A word uh, that translates wound, right? Well, <laughs> uh, here we are talking about the mystery of the cross and salvation. Well, what does salvation mean? We use this word so often, maybe the word we use most often, salvatio, save is the root, um, balm, healing balm. If we desire to be healed in our relationships, we have to allow the mystery of the cross to enter into that wound. And the only way we are going to be able to do that is to become vulnerable. Allow ourselves to become vulnerable. Allow God to dress the wound with the mystery of his cross. And as you do, again, you will be working out your salvation in fear and trembling, as Philippians 2.12 would like to remind us. And that that exchange that we that we enter into with Christ, it doesn't take away the fact that it's still going to hurt on a daily mm. basis. And I Amen. and I think that there can be that misconception that we really need to feel the pain, and then we need to look to God, and we need to tell you know ask God, what what can I do within myself to make the situation better? Whether it's to forgive somebody, whether it's to just um, do maintenance. Sometimes we forget to do maintenance. Just you know, remember to eat, remember to drink, remember to yeah. get fresh air and sunshine, and do yeah. do the things that are within our control. Because God God doesn't want us to be in a state of constant despair, even if we're telling ourselves we have hope. You know, God wants us to go enter society and be part, be joining with others and fellowshipping and and experience what God has to offer us even while we're still walking through that dark valley. But we, we need to feel it. We need to turn it over to God. And then we need to ask God, what can I do now in this state? But while I have hope, how can I now reach out to others and how can I maintain who I am and you know, whatever that may look like in new, new places, new surroundings. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, it, the more we, we relinquish control, the easier it is for us to say, yes, Lord, and whatever that might be. And you know, sometimes the answer, quite often the answer God gives us is to restore everything back to us. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's not always the case. Yeah. 
You know, in the cross, Jesus did not give us an antidote to our pain to remove it, but rather um, a gift, mm. an invitation, a reminder that uh, his desire is to journey with us. St. John Paul II, Andrew, in that same letter I was reading from earlier, says, there is no, you know, sine qua non response to the why is there suffering. No, there's no one definitive response. God desires to reveal himself to, to you, to me, to each and every one of us as he desires at his discretion, which is to say, Andrew, each and every one of us are in a different place, and only God can speak to our experience of pain, our experience of emotional torment. But the thing of it is, he desires to do it. So as St. John Paul II says, take up that first vocation of one who suffers and say, Master, show me and follow him. And this is ultimately what is before us. Um, Andrew, I'm looking up at the clock and we are out of time. We've explored this topic of what it means to feel abandoned and how we ought to turn towards Christ. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. What you just shared I, I thought was quite beautiful and, mm. and really important. But again, I don't know if there was any last word. Just to say that we don't suffer as those who don't have hope. And I, mm. that it's very important. It's very easy to allow Satan to lead us into the pits of despair. But we need to know where our hope is, and then we, we need, to, need to exercise that. Amen. Look to Christ. Amen. All right, with that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.